Hi, and welcome to the Potter's House Podcast. We're so glad that you've joined us, and we pray that you find wholeness through this week's message and feel the closeness of God's presence right where you are. This week's message is from our first Wednesday service and is brought to us by Pastor Bill Lee. The title is Failure to Launch. We hope that you enjoy. I'm going to go right to the Word of God if you have your Bibles. We're going to go to the gospel according to St. Luke chapter 5. St. Luke chapter 5. We're going to be looking at verses 1 through 11, a very familiar portion of scripture tonight. I always marvel at the way God moves and how he sees the beginning and sees the end. And how he is even able to take negative circumstances and situations in which it would look as though the enemy is victorious. But in the end, we find out that God was setting us up to do something awesome. And I believe that that is what we have been going through these last couple of years, that God is setting up his church, amen, to relaunch us, to take us to a brand new level. Amen. And that's what I'm going to be talking about tonight, St. Luke chapter 5. Beginning at verse number one, down through the 11th verse. It reads, it came to pass that as the people pressed upon him to hear the word of God, he stood by the lake of Gennesaret and saw two ships standing by the lake. But the fishermen were gone out of them and were washing their nets. And he entered into one of the ships, which was Simon's, and prayed him, that he would thrust out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the people out of the ship. Now when he had left speaking, he said unto Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a draught. And Simon answering said unto him, Master, we have toiled all the night and have taken nothing. And nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net. And when they had done this, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes and their net break. And they beckoned unto their partners, which were in the other ships, that they should come and help them. And they came and filled both the ships so that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he was astonished in all that were with him at the draught of the fishes which they had taken. And so was also James and John, the sons of Zebedee, which were partners with Simon. And Jesus said unto Simon, Fear not, from henceforth thou shalt catch men. And when they had brought their ships to land, they forsook all and followed him. Again, we'll focus our attention on verse number four. He said unto Simon, Launch out into the deep. Want to use for a title tonight and speak to you on the subject failure to launch, or for a subtitle positioning for a relaunch. Would you turn to somebody and tell them God's positioning you for a relaunch? In 2006, Paramount Pictures released a movie starring Matthew McConaughey and Sarah Jessica Parker entitled Failure to Launch. Now this particular movie 
It focused upon a man who was approaching his 40s, but he refused to leave the comfortable nest of his parents' home. Well, in a desperate attempt to get him out on his own, his frustrated parents hired an extremely attractive girl of his dreams to perhaps give him the motivation to finally make a commitment and to launch out on his own. Of course, in the end, the hired girlfriend ended up falling in love. There were hurt feelings, a mass of confusion, and finally love prevailed and they end up living happily ever after. Now the storyline of this romantic comedy, it proved to be quite entertaining and even funny at times. But as funny and fictitious as it was, it's sad to say that its title speaks to the lives of many believers who are failing to launch out and be everything that God has called us to be. It would seem as though throughout the body of Christ, there appears to be too many believers who are satisfied. Satisfied with standing on the shores of their destiny, watching the big ships sail the places that they themselves ought to be sailing. There seems to be believers who are content with wading in the waters of mediocrity, unwilling and uninterested in launching out into the deep waters of excellence. There are so-called people of faith whose lack of faith has limited them to standing on the docks and the launching pads of life, never moving forward and venturing into the deep waters of abundant living. And they sit in our churches and they're filling our pews and they are saved sour and satisfied. They fail to launch out, never having a vision of something better, never moving from where they are, never strategizing, all while missing out on the deep level of blessings that God has in store for them. So they sit in a state of mental, spiritual, and physical paralysis. All while God is constantly urging them in their spirit, shouting at them and urging them to position themselves for a relaunch. Now, one of the difficult things about engaging in a relaunch is that when we decide to engage in a relaunch, it requires that we gain the courage to start over again. And whether we want to admit it or not, Starting over again is never an easy prospect. You see, when we decide to start over again, it is there that we find ourselves wrestling with the ghost of past failures along with his good friend's fear and embarrassment. It is there that we find ourselves being intimidated by the prospect of trying again only to possibly fail again, stepping out only to be down and disappointed so rather than trying again and rather than amen taking a risk many of us decide that we're simply going to play it safe and we're going to park ourselves in the safe house that resides on the corner of do nothing avenue and paralysis drive you see because we're in that when we are in that safe place we don't have to worry about failing one more time we don't have to worry about connecting with somebody and letting them disappoint us one more time. 
But what we've got to understand is that the God that we serve will never allow us to remain in that place. Because God has placed too much in us to allow us to live an ordinary life. Turn to somebody and tell them you're more than an ordinary person. That's right, you're more than an ordinary person. God has placed his anointing on the inside of us. God has placed his glory on the inside of us. God has invested ministry on the inside of us. So therefore, when we decide that we're simply going to play it safe, what God will begin to do is God will begin to trouble us in our spirit. He'll begin to send a word to us. He'll begin to convict us. He'll even wake us up in the middle of the night until we decide that enough is enough I'm going to position myself for a relaunch somebody shall praise the Lord in here and that would be the will of the master as we come to our chosen text here in the gospel according to St. Luke Jesus is now at the beginning of his public ministry and he finds himself preaching the word of God by the shores of Lake Gennesaret now the impact of his ministry is already seen. As the Bible says, the people pressed upon him to hear the word of God. Well, after this dynamic crusade, Jesus then turns to address a group of fishermen who found themselves surrounded by all of the ingredients that normally result in a failure to launch. According to the word, they had been out fishing all night and they literally caught nothing they are discouraged they are depressed and Jesus walks up to them and issues a challenge he says fellas launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a drought in other words I want you to position yourself for a relaunch now Jesus would eventually turn their situation around and I want us to take a look at our text tonight. And I want to share with you three things that I believe our text reveals to us that we must do if we're going to position ourselves for a relaunch. The first thing that we must do, number one, is we must restore our passion. Can somebody say that word passion? Passion. Say it like you mean it, passion. You see, passion is an extremely powerful word. As a matter of fact, passion is not just a word, but it is actually an extremely powerful force. You see, a person that has a passion for what they do, that passion can actually serve to determine their success and their failure in anything that they decide to take on. You see, a person that has a passion for what they do, that person can oftentimes overcome handicaps, disadvantages, a lack of opportunity, and watch this, they can actually outperform somebody who may have more talent, who may have more ability, who may even get more opportunity, but does not have the passion that that other person has. As a matter of fact, if you're here and you are seeking the will of God in your life, one of the questions that you can ask yourself is, what am I passionate about? Turn to somebody and ask them, what are you passionate about? 
That is, what is that thing that burns down in your belly? What is that area of injustice that really, really makes you angry? My God, what is the thing that you simply must function in and cannot live without doing? What is that thing that you would do even if you were not getting paid for it? Because I believe that in these times in which we're living, God is looking to use some people that have passion. People that have a passion for praise, a passion for service, a passion for witnessing, a passion for serving. My God, not the kind of people that you've got to pump and prime and pay and wave pom-poms in order to get them to do something. But I'm talking about somebody that has a burning in their sanctified soul to do what God has called me to do. Oh my God, turn to somebody one more time and ask them, what are you passionate about? Glory to God. What are you passionate about? What is that thing that burns on the inside of you? And you see, when we come to our text, what we are immediately confronted by is a group of fishermen who had lost their passion. Look at verses 1 and 2. And it came to pass that as the people pressed upon him to hear the word of God, he stood by the lake of Gennesaret and saw two ships standing by the lake, but the fishermen were gone out of them. So when Jesus showed up on the scene, these fishermen had become so discouraged. They had become so frustrated. They had become so despondent because of their lack of success that the Bible says that they literally got up and left their place of purpose. You see, although Jesus would later on call them to a higher place of purpose, at this moment they were fishermen and they were supposed to be on the ship doing what fishermen do. But they had become so depressed, they had become so discouraged that they had literally gotten up and walked out of their place of purpose. And understand that whenever you take something or someone out of their place of purpose, you can be guaranteed that decline and even death is going to follow. Can I show you what I'm talking about? Take a plant out of the ground, its place of purpose. It may sit on the mantle and look pretty for a few days, but eventually it is going to shrivel up and it is going to die. Take a bird out of the sky, its place of purpose. My God, it may creep around on the ground for a few hours, but eventually a predator is going to get a hold of it and it is going to die. Take a fish out of the water, its place of purpose. It will flap around on the shore for a few minutes, but eventually it is going to die. My God, take a man or a woman out of God, 
our place of purpose. We may make some few, a few friends. We may build a nice house and a few monuments, but eventually we are going to die because whenever you take something or someone out of their place of purpose, you can be guaranteed that death or decline is going to come. And you say to me, preacher, why are you saying that to me tonight? Because I'm afraid that there are some people under the sound of my voice tonight. There was once a time where you were functioning in your place of purpose. My God, you had an anointing flowing through your life. Hallelujah. God was using you in a powerful way. And maybe somebody offended you. Maybe things did not go quite like you thought they would go. Maybe you got frustrated because you had reached a point where you went through a season of testing and you decided that because it wasn't going your way, you got up and left your place of purpose. And without realizing it, the enemy has used those events to remove you out of your place of purpose in order that he may bring decline and even death to your life. But I come by tonight in the name of Jesus to tell the devil enough is enough. It is time for somebody to rise up and get back in your place of purpose. My God, turn to somebody and tell them get back in your place. That's right, get back in your place. God's got an anointing for you, but you gotta get back in your place. God wants to bless you, but you gotta get back in your place. God wants to open up the windows of heaven and pour you out blessings. You won't have room enough to receive, but before he does it, he says, I need you to line back up with your purpose so I can use you for my glory. Somebody lift your hands in here and give our God a praise right now. Oh my God, turn to three people, tell them, get back in your place. Get back in your place. Get back in your place. But watch this. Because the Bible didn't just say that they left their place of purpose, they left their ship. But the Bible says that they were washing their nets. the washing of the nets. It was actually the final act that the fishermen would engage in that symbolized that their day was over. So basically, when Jesus showed up, these fishermen had given up. They had thrown in the towel. They had mailed it in. They were waving the white flag. The opera lights had now dimmed and the fat lady was on center stage. It was now in the final chorus of her song. <laughs> it was over. I'm afraid that with so much going on in our world and in our society, with our nation battling a pandemic, our nation divided like never before, and with the people of God going through so much, I'm afraid that throughout society and even in the church, that there are a lot of people going through all of the motions, 
but behind the scenes, they are washing their nets, saying all the right things, going all through all the motions, coming out, going to the grocery store, having to don masks everywhere they go. But if you look beyond the mask and look into folks' eyes, you can see that there are a lot of people who are washing their nets. Oh yeah, getting up in the morning at the sound of the alarm clock, coming downstairs, having breakfast with the kids, patting the kids on the head, giving them hugs, giving courtesy kisses on the way out the door, going to the job, working nine to five, coming back home, but the family has no idea. But daddy is washing his nets. Getting up in the morning at the crack of dawn, getting the clothes ready for the kids, getting them ready for school, coming downstairs, cooking breakfast, running them off to school, dropping them off, then heading to the office, working the job, getting out of school, picking up the kids, taking them to soccer practices and baseball games and dance rehearsals. And the family has no idea. But mother is washing her nets. Casting vision for the company, setting the budget, paying the bills, hiring and firing, going to training, doing all those kinds of things, but the company has no clue but the manager, the CEO, is washing their nets. Teaching lessons, tutoring students, going to after-school programs, trying to adjust in the middle of a pandemic to online learning, attending PTA meetings, dealing with frustrated parents, and the principal has no idea but that educator is washing their nets. Preaching sermons, laying hands on sick folk, counseling people through their problems and troubles, casting vision for the church, trying to navigate through a pandemic when there's no handbook or advice. And the congregation has no idea but the man of God, the woman of God, the staff member, they're washing their nets. We have a lot of people in our society, and yes, even in our churches, saying all of the right things, going through all of the motions, acting like everything is great on the inside. But people all around them have no idea, but they're washing their nets. The twinkle has left their eye. The joy is no longer in their spirit. The dance has left their feet. The clapping has left their hands. And they're just going through the motions, washing their nets. As a matter of fact, we have a lot of folk in the church who are kind of like Sarah in the Old Testament. You, you guys remember Sarah? 
how God had given Abraham a promise that he was going to have a son through her. And the Bible says that God waited until Abraham was 100 and Sarah was 90. And according to Hebrews, Abraham's body was dead and Sarah's womb was shut. And one day, Abraham is having prayer meeting and Sarah's kind of just eavesdropping, listening in. You know, she's got the phone up on the other line and she's listening. And she overhears God repeat the promise to Abraham that he was going to have a son through her at 90. And does anybody remember what Sarah did? Yeah. <laughs> she laughed. But listen, it wasn't the kind of laugh like when you hear a good joke. It was kind of like a sarcastic kind of laugh. Kind of like, yeah, right, kind of laugh. Uh -huh. You see, what's happened to Sarah is what has happened to many folk in our society and even in our churches now. And that is that she had been in the waiting room so long that the devil convinced her that because it did not happen yet, that it was not going to happen my God I don't know who I'm talking to in this place tonight but maybe God gave you a promise he gave you a prophetic word he confirmed it to you over and over again but because you've been in that waiting room the devil has come along and has tried to tell you that it is not going to happen I come by to tell you tonight that the devil is a liar if God said it is going to happen it is going to happen my God, high five somebody and tell them it's going to happen. It's going to happen. That's right, it's going to happen. You may have to call another prayer meeting, but it's going to happen. You may have to quote the scripture over and over again, but it is going to happen. You may have to stand up and claim your promise every single day, but if God said it is going to happen, the promises of God are yea and amen, and he will bring it to pass. Somebody lift your hands and give him a praise right now. Oh my God, turn to three people, tell him it's going to happen. It's going to happen. But watch this. Because the Bible didn't just say that Sarah laughed. It actually says she laughed within herself. Hmm. So it was an inner laugh. Nobody heard it. As a matter of fact, old Abraham thought she was still with the program. You know. <laughs> He'd walk in the room and say, hey, you know we're going to have that baby? She'd smile and say, yes, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. <laughs> He'd walk out the room. She'd go, yeah, right. <laughs> Sarah had an inner laugh. She had died on the inside, and nobody even knew it. She was going through all the motions, saying all the right stuff, going to shopping at Babies R Us with her girls and getting all the blue stuff and getting the room ready. But deep down inside, her dream had died. My God. She was quoting all the scriptures. She had all the pens from TBN. Mm-hmm. 
You know how we do in the church. Shaking hands with folk, praise the Lord, I'm blessed and highly favored and all of that stuff. Talking all the faith talk. But deep down in the inside, her dream had died. Her vision had fallen asleep. Deep down on the inside, she had given up on the promise. Everybody else was getting blessed and having children, and she believed for them. As a matter of fact, she probably prayed some other folk through and saw them getting blessed. But deep down inside, she said it can happen for everybody else. But I just don't believe anymore that it's going to happen for me. I'm too old. I've waited too long. My God, everybody else it could happen for, but not me. She had fallen asleep on the inside. And nobody even knew it. Just like a lot of folk in the church who come to church Sunday after Sunday. My God, they hear the preaching. They hear the word. They even hear the testimonies of other people. But deep down on the inside, they no longer believe that it's going to happen for them. Because there's an inner sarcastic laugh. My God, you start talking about faith. And they start thinking, yeah, right. That's good for them. But for me, it's never going to happen. My God, can you see Sarah? Going through all of those motions on the outside. But deep down on the inside, there was an inner laugh, a sarcasm going on. My God, nobody heard her laughing. Abraham didn't hear her laughing. Her servants didn't hear her laughing. Her girls did not hear her laughing. But can I tell you who heard her laughing? My God, God heard her laughing and he leaned over the portals of heaven and said, you go ahead and laugh, old lady, but the last laugh is going to be on you. Hallelujah. The next time I hear about Sarah laughing, she is holding the baby Isaac in her arms and saying, the Lord has made me to laugh. Oh, I just believe that there is somebody in this house. You've been washing your nets. You came in here discouraged, but I believe that by the time you hit the door you're going to be holding your baby in your arms and say God has made me to laugh weeping has endured for the night but joy is coming in the morning get ready you're going to laugh again oh would you turn to somebody and tell him you're going to laugh again that's right, you're going to laugh again. I know the devil told you it was over, but the devil is a liar. You're going to laugh again. I know he told you you'll always be discouraged. You'll always be down. You'll always be broke, busted, and disgusted. But I come by with a word for you tonight. It ain't over until God says it's over. It's time to cast your net back in the water. It is not over yet. Woo. Just lift your hands in here right now and just claim it in the name of Jesus. Glory to God. Hallelujah. My God, somebody's about to get your passion back. Hallelujah. Somebody's about to get your joy back. Get ready. God's about to relight that fire that once burned on the inside. Hallelujah. My God, that devil's wish he left you alone after that passion is restored and God takes you to another level of praise. Hallelujah. Get ready. You're going to get your passion back. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. So we must... Restore our passion. But then the second thing that we must do, number two, is we must rebuke the spirit of failure. 
Turn to somebody, tell them, rebuke the spirit of failure. I know all of you guys are, you know, super saints, you know. Belong to the potter's house, you know. And, you know, you're you know, faster than a speeding deacon, you know. More powerful than a missionary. Able to leap tall demons, you know, in a single bow. But, <laughs> but can I ask y'all a question tonight. Have any of you super saints ever failed anybody? <laughs> yeah. Okay, a few of y'all didn't raise your hand, so, you know, he, you know, either you were just born yesterday or, you know, you're just sitting up in church on a Wednesday night lying, but I'm sorry. I'm, Because I don't care how successful any of us are. We all fail. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And see, the reason why some of us couldn't raise our hand is because we have a bit of confusion in the church when it comes to how we view and talk about failure. You see, I think that we have given folk the impression that if they get anointed enough and have enough faith and walk on a certain level, that it exempts them from going through failure. So, you know, we, we got a lot of folk in the church kind of walking around fronting like they never fail. You know, we want to give the appearance like we always just have it together. Praise God, you know, I'm the successful businessman. You know, my portfolio is perfect. All of my investments have just made money hand over fist. Praise the Lord. Amen. Look at me. Amen. And my perfect family, you know, with the Brady's and the Huxtables, you know, we don't argue or have any bad days in the house. Praise God. Amen. Look at my ministry. Amen. Everything that we do is just fun. Oh, come on now. Let's get real. Can we, can we be real tonight? Because the truth is, we all, from time to time, fail. The only way to avoid failure is to be nothing and do nothing. But we all fail. And if you have failed lately, do two things. Number one, learn the lesson that God intends for you to learn through your failure. Sometimes he allows us to fail so we can pray more. Sometimes he allows us to fail so we can humble ourselves and knock some of the arrogance out of us. So, so if you fail, if you fail, learn the lesson number two. Put it behind you. You hear me? Stop rehearsing it. Stop allowing the devil to use it to beat you upside the head. Simply put it behind you. As a matter of fact, right where you are, just reach your hand out, all right? Just, just reach your hand out. That represents your failure and to just toss it over your shoulder. Praise the Lord. Amen. Now, didn't that feel good? And now turn around and apologize to the person that you just hit with you. <laughs> but we all fail. As a matter of fact, someone has said that the difference between average people and achieving people is their perception of and their response to failure. Achieving people realize that failing does not make you a failure. Turn to somebody, tell them I may have failed, 
but I'm not a failure. Someone has said that success consists of getting up one more time than you fall. Someone else said that, has said that a big shot is just a little shot that kept on shooting. Amen. Hallelujah. So we all fail. And we should not burden ourselves and be overly concerned if we have failed lately. But here is what we do need to be concerned about. Make sure that although we fail, that we do not take on the spirit of failure. And there's a difference. Because although we fail, we do not take on the spirit of failure until we decide that because we failed, we're simply going to fold up the tent, sit there, cross our arms, and do nothing. The spirit of failure. And when we come to the text here, Peter and those fishermen are literally surrounded by the spirit of failure. You say, how do you know? The reason why I know is because of the way they responded when Jesus challenges them. They're out fishing all night and Jesus comes and says, hey, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a draught. And what does Simon say? He quickly turned to Jesus and said, Master, verse number five, we have toiled all the night and have taken nothing. That's the King James Version. But let me give you my interpretation. These brothers were out fishing all night. Jesus shows up on the scene, says, hey, launch out into the deep and let down your neck for a drought. In other words, try again. Simon turns to Jesus and says, look, man, we've been out here all night long, and now you got the nerve to roll up in here talking about launching out into the deep. Can I ask you all the question tonight? Has anybody in here ever toiled in something so long and got so frustrated? That you reached a point in which you did not even want to hear anybody try to encourage you. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Uh, I mean, you didn't want to hear another church cliche. You didn't want to hear another scripture. And you most certainly didn't want to hear from the parking lot prophet with another word from the Lord. You know what I'm talking about? I mean, you see their name come up on the caller ID, you're like, look it, not today. If I answer this phone right now, something's going to go down that should not. Anybody know what I'm talking about? <laughs> well, that's exactly where Peter is. He is so discouraged. He doesn't even want to be challenged. He doesn't want to be bothered. My God. And here Jesus is coming up to him, telling him to launch out into the deep. He said, Master, we've been out here all night and we haven't caught a thing. And besides, you're a fisherman. I'm sorry, you're a carpenter. And I'm a fisherman. And it's obvious, based upon what you're telling me to do, that you have no clue what you're talking about. First of all, it's too late. I got any fishermen in the house? 
Well, I'm not a fisherman, and one of the reasons why is because, you know, you got to get up really early in the morning to get, you know, to be good at it, like before the sun come up and all of that stuff. And he is saying, look, Jesus, you have showed up. The sun is already out, and it is too late. But how many of you know that when Jesus shows up, hallelujah, it is never too late, hallelujah. The old song said he's an on-time God. Yes, he is. He may not come when you want him, but he'll be there right on time. Hallelujah. He is never too late then what Peter didn't realize is that Jesus is telling him to catch big fish and big fish now must be in deep waters so there he is he is surrounded by the spirit of failure he has given up they are ready to leave but then all of a sudden his faith kicked in and this is what he said he said nevertheless somebody shout nevertheless at thy word, I'm going to launch out into the deep. Hallelujah. My God, I come by to tell somebody that God is about to release some nevertheless faith in your life. Hallelujah. I know you failed yesterday, but because he is telling you it's time to rise up and try one more time, he is saying nevertheless. Ah, because he said it, and if he is commanding it, he is going to bring it to pass. Somebody shout nevertheless. Oh, I prayed and fasted and nothing happened. But nevertheless, because you said it, I am not going to give up. My God, my child isn't saved yet, but I'm going to keep praying because I got nevertheless faith. I'm going to break the spirit of failure and I'm going to try one more time. Turn to somebody and tell them, try it again. That's right, try it again. I know you failed yesterday, but try it again. I know it may not have gone quite your way, but try it again. Whatever it is, do not give up. Do not walk away. Break the spirit of failure and try one more time. Which brings me to my third and final point. Because not only must we break the spirit of failure, not only must we restore our passion but thirdly and lastly, we must raise our level of expectation. Hallelujah. How many of you are expecting God to do something awesome in this season of your life? Hallelujah. Would you turn to somebody and tell them, I'm expecting, I'm expecting. Hallelujah. Amen. Now, if you're sitting next to your husband or wife, you know, don't, you know, don't, don't get nervous, okay? Amen. Praise the Lord. Brother in the back just passed out there. Somebody, let's breathe in, breathe out. It's, it's going to be all right. <laughs> I'm expecting. I'm expecting God to walk in the midst of everything that has gone on and do something that is literally going to blow our minds. Is anybody expecting something great from God? Can I say something? I believe that it's time for us as believers to stop praying these little tiny prayers. Y'all hear me? It's time for us to stop praying about stuff that we can do on our own. Oh, it's okay. Because I believe that we serve a big God. And we ought to start praying big prayers. Are y'all hearing me? My God have mercy. Listen to me. If you have a vision for your life that you can accomplish on your own power, it's not from God. Mm -hmm. 
Because when God gives a vision, it is so big that if he doesn't get involved in it, it is never going to happen. My God, it's time for us to start dreaming big, start thinking big. Hallelujah. If we got a vision that we can complete in our own lifetime, it is not from God. Because when God gives a vision, it impacts our children and our children's children. And long after we have left the face of the earth, God is still moving in a vision that he gives. Let's raise our level of expectation. And that is exactly what took place here in our text. Because what we have here is Peter responding to Jesus in need of raising his level of expectation. Because God is about to do something beyond what Peter expected. So watch what happens. Verse number four. Jesus comes to to them after they had been out all night fishing. And he gives them a command. He says, launch out into the deep and let down your nets, plural, for a draw. Peter's surrounded by the spirit of failure. So he says, Master, we have been out all night and have taken nothing. Nevertheless, his faith kicks in, right? At thy word, I will let down the net. Singular. So Jesus has a multi-net blessing for Peter. But Peter only has singular net faith. Good God have mercy. I come by to tell somebody that for what God is about to do in the next season of your life, you're going to need some more nets. Hallelujah. Turn to somebody and tell them let's get some more nets. That's right, let's get some more nets. Hallelujah. Because God bless you in the other season, what you had is not going to be enough to hold the blessings that God has in store for his people because he's about to bless us, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. He's about to open up the windows of heaven and pour us out blessings that there shall not be room enough to receive. I come by to tell you, get ready. You're going to need some more nets. But because he only had singular net faith, he took that one net and cast it out into the water. Can you see them standing there waiting to see what was going to happen? And you know, when I looked at this text and I looked at what happened in the end, it got me to wondering, how was it that after these brothers had been out all night long and did not catch anything. How was it that Jesus was suddenly able to get all those fish in that net? So my imagination started going and I started remembering the day when I used to watch cartoons. Anybody in here used to watch cartoons? Anybody still? Okay. Well, I grew up in the, in the pre, pre-cable era. Any, anybody know what I'm talking about? Before we had all the wires and the satellites and stuff going to the house, we had that TV with the rabbit ears. There you go. Yeah. Anybody remember when the rabbit ears used to break? 
So you get the aluminum foil or a hanger, you know, and put it in there. Yeah, and that, that, that was before the remote, you know. Yeah. As a matter of fact, we were the remote. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You, you know, you'd be up on the third floor. And your dad would say, son, get down here. You go running down three flights of stairs, walking to the living room, and he's sitting there saying, go over there and turn the channel, the channel. Anybody remember when the knob used to break? So you would get the pliers and put them by the TV. Y'all know what I'm talking about, okay. The pre-cable era. Well, back then, they didn't have the cartoon network. And the cartoons only came on on Saturday morning. So you would get up early on Saturday. Well, one of those cartoons that I really, really liked during that time was a cartoon called The Super Friends. Y'all remember The Super Friends with Batman and Robin and Wonder Woman and all the different characters? Well, the person that I thought about when I started looking at this text was that brother that wears the orange suit with the green fence, Aquaman. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Well, listen. Aquaman possess a strange ability and that is the ability to communicate to anything in the water. So Aquaman was actually called the king of the sea. So whenever he would give a command, he would communicate telepathically with anything in the water. So when he needed whale, he would send a message and the whale would come. If he needed a school of fish or an octopus or whatever he needed, because he was the king of the sea, whatever he told them to do, that is what they would do, my God. And you know when I looked at this text and looked at the man that was standing on that boat who had told them to launch their net in the water, I came to the profound realization that he is greater than Aquaman. Oh my God, not only is he the king of the sea, but he is the king of glory. He is the king of kings. He is the Lord of lords. So if y'all don't mind, can I tell you what I believe happened when that net hit the water? I believe that Jesus started sending out telepathic messages to all the fish in the area. As a matter of fact, I believe he began to call them by their name. He said, Porgy, whiting, catfish, salmon, bluefish, hake, blue heron, halibut, blowfish, tilapia, grouper, goldfish, tuna fish, swordfish, baked fish, fried fish, every other fish that is your master calling you. And I'm commanding you right now to jump into that net I come out to tell the potter's house that I just happen to believe that the master is speaking to the fish all over Ohio. He is saying black fish, white fish, yellow fish, red fish, rich fish, poor fish, brown fish, every other fish. There is a net at the potter's house and I'm commanding you to jump into that net. I come out to tell you, get ready. Get some more nets. God is speaking to the fish. Turn to somebody, tell them, let's get some more nets. 
That's right, get some more nets. Hallelujah, man of God, now is not the time to back up because I believe that in the midst of this pandemic, we have gone all over the internet preaching the gospel in places where we have never been before. And I just believe that when this thing sweeps over, that we're going to need space to hold the people that God is speaking to. Get ready. We're going to need some more nets. Turn to three people, tell them, let's get some more nets. Yes, get some more nets. Get some more nets. I said get some more nets. If you're starting a business, get some more nets. If you're starting a daycare, get some more nets. If you're starting something, get ready. God is about to bless. Get some more nets. Now watch this. Because if they had had multi-net faith, they were received a multi-net harvest. But because they only had singular net faith, the Bible says when they began to pull that net out of the water, the net began to break. One more time, turn to somebody, tell them we're going to need some more nets. But I like Peter. Because Peter wasn't like some of us. You know how some folk, when God bless us, we start acting like secret agents. We don't want to tell anybody how we got blessed. We want to act like we always dress like we're dressing right now. We want to act like we always driven like we're driving right now. We always have this. We don't want to tell anybody about how we had to pray and fast until God broke the chains of poverty from over our life. We don't want to tell anybody how we used to take the bus and how we had to get up early. Somebody in here knows what I'm talking about. But that's not how Peter was. There were other little ships. And when they could not get all that harvest, that, 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 those fish on the boat, oh, Peter looked out to those little ships and said, hey, come on over here. Look what the Lord is doing. There is plenty of blessings for everybody. That's why I believe that God has established the potter's house not just for church of God not just for this local ministry but God is pulling down strongholds and he's about to bless ministries in other places in other denominations because you have done and been obedient to what God has called you to do he's saying hey come on and look what the Lord is doing there's enough blessings for everybody I'm almost done, but let me just share the relaunch. Peter, the Bible says that the boats came and they filled their, ship, their ships and they began to sink. And old Peter realized that he was standing in the presence of divinity. So he says, depart from me, Lord. I'm undone. But Jesus said, hey, wait, 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 wait a minute, Peter. He said, don't go anywhere. He said, I like you. He said, when I blessed you, you wanted to be a blessing to other people. 
So instead of you going away, Peter, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to relaunch you. I'm going to recreate you. I'm going to reinvent you. He said, Peter, if it weren't for this moment, you would have gone down in history as just another fisherman. But because of this day, you're no longer going to be a fisherman, but I'm launching you. You're going to be a fisher of men. Hallelujah. So instead of going down in history as just another fisherman, Peter would go down in history as one of the greatest apostles to ever grace the church. Stand with me all over the house right now. Thank you for joining us for this week's message. We thank those of you who give so generously and make things like this possible. You can click the link in the description or go to pottershouse.org for more details and to see exciting things happening at the Potter's House. If you enjoyed this podcast, you can subscribe, share it with your friends and family, and join us next time. Thank you for listening.